Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Days and Beyond, the, the podcast dedicated to, to the wonderful people that are in the M&A world, the mergers and acquisitions world, especially those that have to deal with, with the day-to-day issues. Um, I think if, if, if we had to break it down into various attributes of, of the really successful people in mergers and acquisitions, especially around post-merger integration or or uh, post-acquisition integrations, as some people call it, that special space that 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 make deals work. The 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 environment where you're dealing with not just the technical aspects and the financials and the balance sheets and making sure all the things tick, but but working with those human beings that deal with human beings, those people that make it their special space to work with those people. With this morning, we got Deborah. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation because um, chief people officer. I mean, we've not had one, not had a chief people officer yet on any one of our episodes. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation with you this morning. Welcome, Deborah. And uh, I'm going to uh, maybe to change it up a bit. I'm going to let you introduce yourself because you're you've got. An, an incredible background. You've got a really good CV in that, but you, where you really differ yourself, I think, is in terms of talent management, business transformation, and also the M&A side of things. And and that for me is a really special space. And not everyone has that 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 very strong, I'd say, um, background, experience, and uh, and education, even um, to, to a large extent, in that in that arena, but more so, you've been in the trenches, and I, I'd love to hear the story. So, so I'm going to let, let let you do the introduction and go straight into it, and just maybe start sharing a few few um, of your experiences as you go. Oh, will do. And listen, thank you so much for having me today. And I think what you're doing is pretty amazing by getting various people on to talk to you. Um, so why why do I think it's uh, important and, and how have I got here is probably a, a good way to, to kick off. So my background is HR. I started um, as an HR business partner um, within professional services and found myself being involved in restructures, reorganizations within those businesses. Uh, and how you apply change was really important. It's trying to put yourself in the individual's shoes um, uh, in terms of how they were going through the change and not just delivering a program for the business, but making sure from a people perspective, we were treating people uh, in the right way and supporting them along that journey. Uh, and for me, that was really important to continue to do. Uh, and I started out in permanent roles and then found myself in the contractor space for many years, working with a, a large range of different sectored organizations uh, and also working with some really inspirational leaders and also not so inspirational. And um, and I found myself uh, working with lots of different people and uh, we, you know, there are groups of us that seem to come together and work closely together, and we have very similar values and behaviours. And I think that's really important for me, which is why I'm currently in the role I'm in with Illuminate, who are an IT consultancy. Very similar values and behaviours, and uh, for me, it was really important to work in an environment where I'm challenged 
from a technical perspective as well as from a, a people and change perspective. So the technical spaces where you're um, supporting large scale change and transformation businesses, and we're seeing more of the uh, more of that activity uh, more recently as a result of COVID, where businesses are looking at acquiring, merging. There's some divestment going on as be people decide to change how they're running their organizations. And then, you know, because some businesses have been affected by uh, COVID and what's happened in the last couple of years, they're, they're joining forces, which, you know, unfortunately is sign of the times. But I think the way in which those businesses then approach the merger, acquisition and divestment is really important from a change perspective. Uh, I've been lucky enough to work with some really great female leaders, uh, the likes of Sharon Barbara at Lloyds Bank, who's a CISO, very inspirational. I've worked with Sharon for over um, sort of 10 years, supporting her on a number of change programs. She's also very strong in the people and change space from a, from a leadership perspective. The likes of Bronwyn Boyle, who's now CISO at Mambu, uh, the likes of... Um, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, the likes of uh, there are some also some male leaders who I've worked with who have been inspirational. Dara West at Lloyd Bank, he was a great leader uh, in terms of working closely with us as a team to help shape a change program that's going to be effective not just for the organisation and the business, but also for people and how we're supporting those pe those individuals along that change journey. Uh, and as I mentioned, I started off uh, in HR, but I found myself actually doing more in the M&A space and working with technical businesses. And the reason why I set my practice up at Lumina to focus in on four areas is because I knew that for M&A, you would probably need to look at own organization structure. You'd probably need to look at systems integration and you probably need to look at cultural change management. So that's why I've focused on those areas. I also have some great people that I've worked with um, who are on my bench, who work with me closely to advise and guide clients in terms of how they support change. So what do I mean by some of that? So Lloyd's, for instance, um, L uh, Lloyd's TSB merged with Halifax Bank of Scotland uh, about 10 years ago we supported the uh, change program. So we had to look at new operating model. We needed to support the leadership team and also line managers with rolling out uh, that change program. So for me, uh, it was really important that we supported individuals and line managers actually go through that change. And actually we developed a people change toolkit at the time for Lloyds Bank. If they did then need to, um, implement any further change. And I think that was a great way of us supporting them, not just to help them deliver that program, but also to leave something behind so that if they needed to, to implement anything in the future, they had a set of processes, a set of tools um, in place in order for them to do that. We also had half the team uh, who were consultants that that came on board to support that change. And then the other half were internal resource. For me, it's really important when you're delivering any kind of um, change program that you bring the internal resources into your team. 
it's not something you can do at the side of a desk. You do need to be dedicated to it. Uh, and I think that then helps grow and develop the capability you have in your organization. Uh, so for me, it's really important that I include internal resource. And then also for the leadership team, making sure that they are reset in the bar in terms of their vision and strategy. So what does that look like for them as an organization? How do we then cascade those key messages across the teams, recognizing that in some cases, the message may be seen as a negative, uh, in other cases, a positive. So how do we support that leadership team with cascading that message? And then from a merger perspective, really um, keen to look at the, that cultural change management piece. So if you're merging with an organization, what's the culture that you want to set? Is it the culture of the organization that the individuals are coming into? Or is it the culture that um, that you had as your, your organization, which is why that business wanted to merge with you in the first place? So the leadership team gelling, bonding and making sure that as a leadership team they're really working together to set that that tone uh, and support colleagues as they're going through the um going through that change is that enough for you Dudley yeah that's that's fascinating I mean yeah, there's so many things I want to unpack out of that because because <laughs> <laughs> in terms of change management um and also on the in the M and A space, I mean, you're dealing with so many moving parts. You're dealing with uh, each individual has their own uh, let's let's say their own background, their own lens at which they look at the world, own experience, own job role. You're taking people internally in an organization, and you and you're trying to bring them together. Yeah. Um, with the Luminate. What's really interesting is is because it's such a heavy tech sort of environment as well, you also have this additional thing where there's sometimes a fear of change, especially when it comes to uh, tech and technology. Um, and again, dealing with the, the with the people aspect of that, you know, user interfaces might change, the background, the uh, so the back end sort of integration between multiple systems, even if you're breaking a business up it was separation or carve outs or whatever these new terms are and so on. There's just so many reasons why things just can just go wrong, isn't it? I mean, and, and if you don't have decent leadership, as you mentioned, I mean, I want to unpack some of that. So just, yeah. I mean, just tell us a few about a few of the moving parts that, 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 you know, that, that, that are, that are out there. And then, <laughs> Sort of, how do you how do you bring all? It's a bit like herding cats at times, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I'll give you an example uh, with Centrica. So Centrica, over the last sort of five to ten years, have acquired and merged with a range of businesses. So what do they need to do in order for that to be effective? So they want to bring organisations uh, into and integrate them into the mothership, the large machine that British Gas became. Uh, Centrica. So one of the roles that I, I had was how do you bring those organizations together? So looking at people, process, system services, right? So from a, an HR and change perspective, what you need to do is not just make sure we get the basics right so that we're paying them. So payroll, absolutely 
primary important because if you can't get the basics right, forget strategic HR or strategic business change, right? Because that will just go out the window. Basics right is how we pay people and also what kind of reward structure you put in place. So if that is part of your mothership, as Centrico, you know, would like to know, know their central business, is making sure from internal systems, then how do you get individuals onto those? So Active Directory, working with the IT teams, working with finance to make sure we get the time recording systems, timesheets, you get all of those basics right. And then you think about, okay, so we're transferring these individuals into our organization. In 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 most cases, you are. Uh, and how do we get those basic things right? So for me, it's getting that plan right, getting an overall plan together, and then putting in place a framework that does incorporate your change in communications. And then it's working closely with the HR teams, the change teams, maybe recruitment teams, because they're, you know, they will have BA, BAU activity going on. There will be billings going on with clients. They'll be recruiting for roles. Mm. We need to make sure we pay them. Um, there may be a change in, you know, what they're putting in place from a services perspective. So what does that service catalogue look like? You know, do we need to change that operating model because you're suddenly coming into an organization? So you'll have multiple roles, in some cases, duplication of roles. So it's making sure that individuals, when they're coming into an organization, feel as though they're part of that new business. They have a role, they're valued. Um, and this this isn't just individuals who are coming in at junior level. This is the leadership team as well. The leadership team are also coming in. So they've got to feel as though their value too. And the people they're bringing into that business have been led by that leader. So what's the leadership role in the new organization? Getting that bit is really important because the leadership team are going to be primary responsible for making sure you cascade uh, the, the messages that you're working with the teams, you're relaying fears and you are really bringing that organization together. And what you want to do is you want to motivate people, you want to retain them, you don't want any attrition. You want people to feel valued as they are joining mm. that new organization when we're particularly looking at m and A lot of organizations go through restructure uh, because they need to make some uh, changes to their model, where they're simplifying, where they're looking at efficiencies, and we're seeing that. And I don't think we sh we should shy away from that either, because organisations will continue to do that, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing that they simplify, they look at efficiencies, they look at automation. So a lot of what I've done previously is work with organisations to say, okay, so how do we help you become efficient? How do we help you to simplify? I'll work with uh, internal technical teams um, to, to, to identify ways that we can do that, how we can automate. Do we need to uh, outsource a, a service? Do we need to, um, you know, onshore it if it's been offshore? And then it's working with those teams uh, to make sure we do that. And probably about 10 years ago, there was, you know, a real need for outsourcing, onshoring, offshoring, there's still a need for some of that because there will be a change for some organizations with the service providers they use. Mm. Uh, some of the big players, you know, still see some of that activity, the likes of Computer Center, 
Fujitsu, still see some of that onshore and offshore and activity going on. We're seeing some new players to the game. Uh, we're seeing that automation is playing a big part in how businesses are changing the way they do things. Uh, Lloyds Bank implemented a new cybersecurity operator model. I think that was really forward thinking. That was led by Sharon Barb and the team, uh, very much an inspirational leader. A lot of the banks are, are, you know, are looking at ways in which they can simplify, automate, make efficiencies, and they'll continue to do that. Mm. And we're seeing that more in other sectors too. Um, you know, London Stock Exchange went through went through uh, quite a big change when LCH Clearnet uh, came into their organisation, and they've continued to to grow and develop what they've done in that space. And I think, again, you know, HR director at the time was uh, Tim Jones, and he did a, a fantastic job in terms of working with the leadership team to define what, you know, what that operating model needed to look like and, and brought in a number of consultants and utilised his internal team to really, you know, map out that landscape and also look at how he needed to set up his HR function for success on a global scale. So working with Tim to help him shape that was really a great opportunity for me. And then also, you know, I've been... Um, really honoured to be asked to, to mentor and lecture at King's College, actually, and work with um, work with the team at King's College in terms of mm. supporting some of those MSc students who want to start out on their HR career and look at ways in which they can do that, because it's really difficult for them starting out. And I think it was quite forward thinking of King's College to say, let's get practitioners in to be lecturers so I was honoured to be asked to come in as a lecturer and work with the MSc students. I couldn't mentor all of them, even though I would love to have done. But over the years, being able to help and mentor some of the individuals I've worked with, who I now see as heads of HR and moving into HR director roles and helping them realise that if, if HR is going to be a business function that is a prominent one that has a seat on a board, then we have to be business leaders first. We have to have that commercial approach, commercial mindset, uh, because that HR role has moved significantly over uh, over the last 10, 15 years, certainly. Uh, and you're, you're seeing more, win more women coming into tech space as well. Mm. I'm really interested in how women can be more involved in in tech and how we can support businesses doesn't mean to say that I wouldn't work for other organizations that are not technically um, forward thinking as some of the businesses I worked with, but I'm always happy to talk to a client. And if I can't personally help, find somebody that can support that business with the transformation that they need to put in place. And whether that's bringing somebody from my team to support them or upskilling their internal capability and running a workshop and a set of uh, learning programs for their team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's magnificent. And, and, and I, I just, just going and, and looking at that whole, uh, I'm going to come back to the leadership thing because uh, HR in, in, I suppose as a legacy sort of role in many companies has always been, I think a little bit more functional as like HR is down there somewhere down the corridor. You know, that's where you sign a few papers and 
and then you get to work and then if you then ask to leave then back you go down to hr or if you had an, a payroll problem then you know go speak to hr <laughs> now hr has now become a strategic i mean it's become massively important it's a boardroom function yeah. and entities that are, are not yet recognizing that i think are doing themselves a disservice and in fact bringing strong hr leaders into the onto the board um, you talk a lot about women as well, and I, and I think there's 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 that balance and that inclusiveness that's massively important to to take companies into the new world. But uh, you know, things have changed massively, and, and especially in the tech space, I think you've probably seen that as well over the last 12, 18, 24 months. You know, we we're not even talking about five, 10, 15 years anymore. We're talking rapid change. We're talking about things like robotics, AI. Uh, and I mean, there's all the data analytics, the security issues, and and so on. I mean, it's just it's it's phenomenal the the size and the scope just in tech. But having an HR slant to it is having an understanding that that tech is only as good as the people that you have using it, isn't it? And Absolutely. and it's it's all great having great tech, but if you don't have people actually doing it, yes, there's automation. But yeah. at, at some points, you have touch points with human beings, and and they still have to integrate with with you everything do. else. So I don't know how you feel about that. You do. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, because I supported Sharon and the team with putting in place a cybersecurity target operator model, I you know I was able then to work with some of the technical teams to really apply a people lens to what they were doing. So that's then helped me with supporting businesses like Unilever put in place a risk framework, applying a very different lens to just a technical lens. So what does this journey need to look like if I'm part of your risk team or I'm an end user or I'm a client or I'm a leader? What does this actually mean for me? So it's looking at the stakeholder journeys, the personas. It's applying that uh, different lens. Uh, Caroline Gorski at um, R Squared Factory, for instance, she's doing some amazing work and her business model is helping, you know, Rolls, they're, the, they're the innovation arm of Rolls-Royce. What they're doing is setting up a function, uh, a business to support dealing with some of those really hard to solve challenges. So very technically aware um organization working with like-minded organizations to solve some really technical challenging um, issues like sustainability, uh, supply chain, and um, AI and ethics. So, you know, working closely with them and applying a very different lens to what they're doing. A another piece was working with HP and their leadership team in the US in terms of implementing a global security operator model. These are leaders that are well used to their, their technical aspects of their organization. What I bring to them is a different way of thinking, uh, applying that people lens. So what does this change mean? How do we move from this process to this process? What are the ways of working? What are the touch points with the other team uh, that you're working with? So let's not drop the baton as you hand over. Uh, let's make sure the baton is handed, you know the team you're handing to, you know the behavior and the structure, you know the, the culture of all the organization. So how are we going to make this a, a success? And I think, you know, for me, again, 
the cultural awareness of the different um, the different uh, organizations, but also the location. So, you know, having worked closely with a number of leaders delivering programs in the US, Europe being very different, you know, and across Europe, depending on what's, what, um, what part of Europe you're working in, and also across the UK, very different, whether you're in London, whether you're up north, whether you're down in Wales, whether you're uh, down in the south southwest, very different environments. And we see that across um, across Europe too, France, Germany, Switzerland, uh, very different approaches. So it's making sure that you're working closely with those internal teams and then the leadership team to understand how those leaders operate in the first place, what that culture and the feel is like, and applying something that, that's fit for that business model. So one, one size doesn't fit all. We need to apply a different approach depending on uh, location, the kind of people you're working with, the kind of environment and the tech space, you know. Mm. So it, it does, you do need to keep on your toes and, <laughs> you know, and delve deeper in terms of thinking about uh, putting yourself in those shoes. I love um, Edward de Bono's Six Thinking Hats because you get a group of people in a room and you, you know, you ask them to put a different hat on. So how would you feel if this was you know, something that you had to deal with. So whether you're a finance lead, you're the CEO, you're the COO, you're somebody going through the change. I'm I'm a line manager, I've got people impacted, or I'm a leader, I don't have people impacted, but I know people who are impacted. Um, and it's applying, you know, that kind of thought process and putting people in a situation where they are able to then put a different hat on. Yeah, I, I love that, and 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 that ability to to bring people along with you, and and they don't, and 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 to buy into that process, because I think especially when you look at leaders, they're busy, and 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 people have this aversion, uh, I think, over for 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 a very long time, and I think even now, so or more so with short Zoom and Teams or or these online meetings, you know, everything is getting cramped. Is tighter and tighter in terms of time. Now you've got to get people engaged from an emotional level, not just a functional level. Something that that stood out for me in 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 your uh, LinkedIn profile was um, I'm just going to read the sentence and then maybe just 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 sort of expand a bit on that because I think for me this is fascinating. You, you talk about reviewing and revising the business values, and that's yeah. very interesting. And the people behaviors in line with the business culture to develop tools to support strong EVP and attraction and retention. Because we're not just talking about ret retention and all that, but there are times when you, you have to ask people to leave the organization. But you also have to attract really good talent, too. And as an organization changes now, now there are different parts to that in sentence. So, I mean, reviewing and revising the business values. I mean, I, I, that in itself is a is a very loaded topic, because I mean that that would be quite interesting. <laughs> and then people behaviors in line with the business culture to develop tools uh, for for attraction and retention. So, just unpack that a little bit for me. I mean that that I, I, I really enjoy that sentence. So, uh, you know, going back to uh, if we're thinking about uh, cultural change management, we're thinking about um, uh, 
cascading some of the the messages that leaders will want to cascade or even uh, going back to when you're planning to merge or acquire a business or you're doing divestment so the you'll you'll find that organizations will generally have um, different uh, values behaviors or the reason that you you've um, you've approached that business because you have similar values and behaviors so what does that then mean and how do you then put something in place that means as an organization you can come together and move forward mm. i love i love it when i talk to individuals who are in different organizations who have very different values to me uh, curium solutions are a consultancy business i worked with uh, before joining illumina actually very similar values and behaviors uh, in terms of how they approach uh, you know people uh, a change so applying a people first approach to change. So thinking about, you know, you applying that sort of model for uh, an organization is really important because we can't come in and tell you how to do it. It needs to be uh, it, it needs to be something that the leadership team are passionate about. They feel it. We ask them the right questions. We get them thinking about, you know, what they want out of a you know a a new piece of uh, change which is you're coming together as two organizations so what do you want it to look and feel like for you for your employees your clients and those that are going to be you know watching this in the media because a number of the programs I've delivered have been uh, in you know in the um, in the media and they've been prominent pieces in the media. So how do you apply that and make sure that individuals see this as a very positive piece and actually want to then come and approach you about working with you in the future? And Lloyds Bank have been great at doing that. Um, they did have to make some hard decisions about letting some people go. But what we what we did do is work very hard in terms of redeploying people who were impacted. So that in, that redeployment activity actually ended up being the largest part of the program. So it's thinking differently. So redeployment, not just internally, but how could we find them roles that were external? So we don't long no we no longer have these kind of roles in our organisation, but we know businesses like Microsoft, Dell, um, city businesses, for example, will have those roles and a need for for individuals with those skill sets. So how do we then approach those businesses to say, hey, can we work together to try and identify opportunities for these individuals? Those, those pieces really impact and add value to what you're doing in terms of developing that value proposition. Another thing that's really important is putting in place change champions across an organization. And it's not just saying, to somebody, right, you're going to be a change champion today. It's really working with a group of people who are the, the champions that are going to help you land and embed the piece of change that you need to embed. And this could be across the board, whether it's an M&A, whether it's just a new system or a new operating model or new ways of working on a smaller scale. So how do you then identify those people? How are they going to be your role models for implementing what you need to implement? And this is, you know, the 
the change management. This is the communication. How are they going to support you, embed this, and uh, help you uh, along the journey? And, and for me, getting those things right mean that most organizations are great at, at um, project management and implementing projects and putting in place new systems. But what some of them fail to do is make sure that they apply that change management landscape. So what is it? What are the ways of working? How do we change the process? How do we tell people what we're doing? How are individuals going to learn by the change? Because everyone learns differently, don't they? Some people like classrooms. Some people like, you know, looking at podcasts or going online. Um, and others like the face-to-face. -face. And some people get irritated. And that's where a lot of things change. They get irritated because they don't know how to do something. So what they'll do is revert to what they did before because that's safe for them. And they know how to do it. So then there is an element of hand-holding with some people, um, others not so much. Um, but it's, it's making sure as you're uh, going through that change, individuals are supported along the journey. And it's not just the leadership team, but it's line managers who are on the cold face more often than not. And actually, a lot of line managers end up having HR responsibilities because most organizations have moved to a model where you've got an Ulrich model in place. Uh, and if you don't know Dave Ulrich, have a look at the model that he um, put in place years ago, actually, which is you have strategic HR business partners, you have a center of excellence, and this is like your lead, lead uh, your legal teams and your reward teams. Um, and then you have uh, your shared services team. This is the teams that provide all the admin support and you'll probably have a recruitment team as well uh, or talent team uh, and learning uh, and talent uh, could be a, a separate team. But it's my point is that there are different elements to to. HR and how they can support. And then you may have a strategic function, which is change and transformation. And if you're an organization that doesn't have a lot of change, you may buy that services in, which is why you'd come to somebody like me to, to work with you to do that. But that piece and getting that right and the leadership team have to recognize that they need to think differently is primary and they are the experts in their business no doubt and I wouldn't come in and tell them how to run their business all I would do is come in and support them and work with them in terms of identifying what changes they want to put in place and I will advise and guide on the best approach for their business and there may be some things in there they won't like like to hear but I'll tell them anyway uh, but it's working It's working with those leaders to really help them to be successful. Because at the end of the day, you know, they're the heroes, not me. All I'm going to do is work closely with them to make sure that the, the piece of change that they're putting in place, whether it's merging, uh, acquiring, whatever it is, that that then means that it's a successful outcome for them as a business. Yeah, I'm really enjoying that because I think um, from... Uh, I think you said, my, and, and you're actually right, because a lot of organizations have very well structured uh, project management. They have a, they have a particular uh, start, middle, and end. They know where they're going. They know what they want to achieve. But what really fascinates me out of, out of what you've just been mentioning now is 
is understanding that there are so many different, not only just learning methods, um, places where HR and management and actually the people side of things take place within an organization, going down to line management and so on, but also looking at a, at a change program um, with a, a broader perspective. And, and I think this, what really fascinated me when I first spoke to you before the podcast was, was really that, 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 that program you put in place where you knew there were people that needed to be moved out of the organization. Instead of just saying, you know what, good luck, you know, here we go, here's a, here's a golden handshake or whatever it is that, that the, or let's have a conversation and have an exit interview, whatever that was, and uh, you will give you a good letter of recommendation, but now it's up to you to go and find something else. And, and just having that mindset of, you know what, this is, this is a bigger system. This is a much bigger ecosystem, if you like. I mean, and and there, are, there are opportunities for these people to go elsewhere. But you also then, in turn, I think from a, a reciprocation point of view, the organization that's, that's, that's moving people out become more attractive because people realize that there is actually a human element to it. It's not a functional side of things. So, so now you know that even if you join an organization, they're not just going to leave you out to pasture. Yeah. If it just doesn't work out for you, you actually, there is going to be some kind of thought about you as a human being. Cause I, for me, what really frustrated me over, especially the late end of the, 80s and 90s and the early early sort of noughties if they I don't even know why they call it that but the, the the everything started becoming a number you know even the call centers and the banks and everybody was just you phone in and and it's what's the what's the number what's the reference number as you just become another number yeah. and what I love about what we're talking about here is that we're bringing back the human side of things and and it's it's about damn time, isn't it? That's for me from a you know from ha being in business for so long, seeing that there are people like yourself out there that are saying there's more to it than just you know automating and systems and tech and oh, so on. There's it's just it's about people at the yeah. end of the day. Yes, the, you know things has to have to change. The market's changing. We have to adapt, but not at the expense of of just of people along the way. I, I don't know how you feel about that. I do. I feel really strongly about it. And generally, um, if if I'm involved, then it means I'm applying a people-first approach. And if, um, if the organization I'm talking to don't like that approach, then I won't join them. Uh, on my watch, those things will definitely proceed. It's paramount for me that individuals, when they're going through the impact of any change are supported. And I think that, I've, you know, I've heard some horror stories and I'm not going to mention any names of organisations, but I have heard some horror stories. The organisations I've worked with have all applied that very supportive mm. approach to um, restructuring and divestment and merging with uh, and acquiring other businesses and I think that that's just testament to the organizations I've worked with how they really wanted to support colleagues as they've gone through that journey and its development opportunities as well and it and you know particularly the Lloyds Bank one which was a huge piece of work we put in you know over 5,000 people through change 
and they they needed to simplify their operating model because you brought two big companies together. Mm. What was really um, empowering was not only looking at um, looking at relocation, looking at redevelopment, and you know, in some cases, giving people an opportunity to 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 look at a new career. You know, funding um, uh, developing them into something that you know they wanted to try because they hadn't had the opportunity previously, and I think that's really um, empowering for an organisation that they've they've you know. And all right, this is with my support and recommendation. Let's look at these things. Let's put a budget around it. Let's make sure that we're applying not just outplacement support because that's what everyone does and every organization does, but actually the outplacement support is going to be this and, you know, it's a plus because not only are we going to put you in place with an outplacement support provider, but we're actually going to work with organizations who do have roles that would be suitable for you we're not changing our operating model and taking you out of the business because you're not performing. These individuals may have been with the organization for 20 odd years. Mm. Um, You know, and in some cases, I think the longest serving member was like 30 years. Their whole career had been with this one organization and there were some new joiners. Um, And I think that, you know, it's really important to, to work with the leadership team so they understand that, I'll help you get to mm-hmm. your end business goal. The journey to get there needs to be this, this, and this. And the reason we do that is because not only is it going to help you to retain the key staff that you want to retain, because they'll be looking at how you've treated their friends and colleagues. And in you know, particularly in these big organizations, you have family members that work, you know, work in the same business. So it's it's how you're treating those people because people talk as well. You know, when they're down the pub on a Friday night, they'll be talking to their mates about what they're going through and it's how they're being treated along that journey. Mm. So for me, that that is, and that's when I say a people first approach is, and it's not fluffy HR, it's really working with a business to put in place something that means that it's not going to be damaging to their brand and their reputation but it's also going to enhance it. And by enhancing it, you're really thinking about how you can make this as pain-free as possible for these individuals. I mean, obviously, for bigger organisations, you're working closely with unions um, or works councils, and they obviously are acting on behalf of the employees. But but working closely with those those organisations also means that what you've got to do is... Work, you know, develop and build relationships with those people. So, and that's primary as well. These are organizations that are set up to support employees. So working closely with the with the um, trade unions and those work councils are important. And then when you don't have those in place, it still means that you apply a, um, a, a people first approach in North America where I've run a number of these change programs it's working closely with the leadership team to make sure we do the right thing uh, and it's doing that and it's not just saying we're going to do it it's actually doing yeah. it yeah yeah not not just uh, lovely wordsmithing but uh... <laughs> I would um, say 
Let's not just put stick <laughs> on the pig. Let's actually do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I mean, you. You. You mentioned unions and 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 so on. And 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 I've been I've been sort of observing this whole almost a trifecta of of business education and your infrastructure type organizations and and how how they sort of how they they all they all influence each other so if you look at sort of education and you look at apprenticeships and and university degrees and 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 the whole the whole feeder system into into business um, you have a look at it, and you mentioned it, which is absolutely right. You have people that have dedicated their lives to particular organizations. They have been there for a, for a very long time. You also have these entrenched um, unions, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we just have to look at the, the, the rail network systems and so on where, where we're having these current strikes and so on, and, and, and they all going through transformations. I mean, they, they, and they're having transformation thrust upon them Obviously, they're going to kick back and so and they're going to push back and they're going to say, look, it's, it's maybe not for us, etc. And this is a very hot topic, of course. I don't want to go into the politics of it, but it's just it's just just I think the observation of of the way that people react. And sometimes there's there's just there's a space for people like yourself. And this is this is where I'm coming to is is to say there are sometimes there are there are other ways of dealing with the same issue. Yeah. Is we can't just be hammering the same drum. We've got to say, look, maybe there is a different drum. Or maybe there is a different sort of drumstick. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there's yeah. a different way of dealing with this because surely there's a better way of, of dealing with the current challenges and that. I think business to, to a large extent has to change often because they're forced to. They are market changes. When it comes to government and other types of organizations, they are less forced to change and, and it's more difficult to bring about change. So, so if you look at digital transformation, I'm sure you work with, 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 with all types of organizations. Just, just talk about that sort of complexity, the world complexity. When you come into an organization, you, from, from having spoken to you before and today, you, ha you seem to have this this broad perspective in terms of the way that you look at things. I mean, is that is that a is that a fair assumption, Deborah? It is, and and I also find that people try to overcomplicate things when you talk to them, and quite often it's it you know I'll try and simplify something, um, and it's not degrading what what a business are trying to do, but it's just in my mind what I'm trying to do is simplify what their end goal is. So what is it you want to do? What's wrong today and how do you need to change it? And then what I do is spend some time understanding the business par parameters of that change. And then I'll think of all the different you know, touch points. So who's gonna be impacted by this uh, change? So I'm not going to comment on on uh, what we're seeing, you know, particularly around some of the strikes at the moment. I saw there was another one today. We're seeing some significant change, um, you know, particularly as a result of the last two years and the economic cha challenges that that are going on. Um, and what you know, what we're seeing is organisations really buckling because of that, uh, you know, of what you know, of the uh, economic changes and the downturn and are we in recession or not? I don't know. But 
um, a lot of businesses are planning for that. So what happens is you get businesses planning for it and then everyone's talking about it and guess what? It happens. So how do we stop that happening in the first place? So let's not talk about it. But how can we, you know, there are, there are businesses out there making a lot of money uh, and there are businesses out there that aren't doing so well. So we almost need to change our footing, you know, and change the way in which we do business. Um, and I'm also keen that organizations pull together. So it is a bit doggy dog out there, but how can you support organizations? I found myself, you know, in between projects um, a couple of years ago. And actually, you know, normally I'd have one thing lined up and then I'd be, you know, I'd move on to the next thing. And then, you know, and I never have to apply for a job, for example. I always get people coming to me to say, look, we've got this piece of work. Are you interested? And I usually get lots of people coming to me. So I've never had to apply for a job. But I found myself in between roles. So, okay, so nothing out there. It's, you know, it's in the midst of COVID. What can I do? And even though I was um, non-exec HR director at, um, at Illuminate, I found myself thinking, okay, so how can I help other people? So I worked with a positive transformation group to help them put in place a business model that meant that it would support funding social impact projects. So it's looking at community support. I love what the Brea Foundation are trying to do um, in, in terms of working within communities. How can we help communities grow and develop and doing more in that space? So how can I give my time for that? How can I help them shape what they're doing? How can then I use my network to support, you know, to support that model? Um, and, that, you know, I'm I'm very happy to do that and to, to help with those charitable initiatives. And I think it's it's more about, and we're all busy, aren't we? Let's face it. But it's given a bit of your time to help shape some thinking around how we apply, you know, that that business sense. So, how do we all work together? How do we then stop the noise around uh, some of the, you know, the the discussions around us facing this recession? How do we stop that? Let's work together to, you know. We're not going to solve the problem, but we can work together to limit the impact to us as a as a society. I think. Yeah, and and I'm 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 a big proponent of um, look. Sometimes repeating it sometimes makes it a problem where you could have just said, okay, let's recognize it for what it is, and let's rather start focusing on what potential solutions there are. Yeah. let's try a few of them out. Some of them might not work. Some of them will, but let's just get on with it. Um, I, you know, for me, this, this repetitive negative talk is it sometimes is really drives me up the wall. And, and it's, it's almost like it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in, in, in a way, in many, in many ways. And that's why speaking to someone that's, that's HR, that's, you know, that's involved in people's behaviors, values, and, and thinking and, and changing of organizations is, is, is really fascinating. I want to shift a little bit, and there's something that, that stood out. And, and before we come to the end, because we're coming close to the end of the hour, and I'm like, oh, geez, I've got so many other things I want to be asking you, Deborah. Um, but something that, that also stood out for me was 
uh, Commander British Forces, Cyprus Commendation. So tell us a bit about that because that is just, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's fascinating. Tell us a bit about that. I mean, that just you know, as we come to the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh, well, that was in my previous life. So um, my dad was military uh, and I always wanted to, you know, I was very much a tomboy and uh, my dad was my role model. So joined the army myself and, um, and, you know, after four years of being in the army, I was given the opportunity to be the assistant editor of the forces weekly newspaper called the lion in cyprus so i ran the newspaper um in cyprus for four years uh, amazing experience so if everyone remembers soldier soldier the program uh, the crew were over in cyprus working with us i did all of their media and uh, and in those days you didn't really do social media because it was in like 93 to 95 so i was a baby when i did it um but we had you know um robson green jerome flynn denise welsh and they were great people to work with so yeah i used to run the newspaper i had the um the press officer in cyprus people used to come in with their copy i used to prepare the newspaper take it off to print in nicosia i had a, um, a team of desktop publishers who then produced the paper locally once I designed it each week. Um, and then the Command of British Forces awarded us the um, CBF commendation. So that's how I got that. I love that story. That's absolutely brilliant. And it adds a completely different dimension to, to, you know, to the audience and knowing who you are and, and, and sort of some of your background. Um, obviously, shortlisted board director of the year 2021. I mean, that's that's quite an achievement as well. And I can see that. I mean, I can see how that that that's possible. Um, just as as we come into the end, I want I want to ask. Uh, firstly, will you come back again to the show? Love to. If you do, okay, excellent. <laughs> and 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 secondly, I just want to sort of any any sort of last sort of thoughts or. Or let's call it the golden nuggets. Some take some key takeaways for for our audience that are that are listening in. I think key takeaways are um, just spend a bit of time thinking about what you want the end outcome to look like. And um, you know, if you don't have anyone in your team, I'm very happy to have a conversation uh, with anyone. If you don't have anyone in your team, either I've got somebody that can help you or I can help you, or just have a conversation about it. But really think about that end outcome uh, and think about, uh, you know, the journey that you want to follow and what you, you definitely want to avoid and what's that pain point you want to avoid. And that's something that I always do as part of the change management and communications framework is I will develop those stakeholder journeys and identify those pain points to avoid. Mm -hmm. Because once you've identified those pain points to avoid, you know that you're absolutely not going to follow that path. And it's just planning it. It's working closely with uh, your internal team and maybe bringing somebody in like me who can support you um, and plan it. Uh, and planning it is really important part. Um, anyone who knows uh, all the P's will know that you have to uh, plan it, prior planning prevents, 
uh, and I won't say the next bit. Yeah, I, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, you know, you you want to you want it to land well, but you also want to be able mm -hmm. to support those people on that journey, whatever piece of change it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, you know, make sure you bring in um, your HR director, your head of HR to chat it through. If they don't have the capability, then go and find somebody who um, who does have the capability to support it. And then uh, for those budding um, HR uh, MSc students, these are the leaders of the future. They are individuals who are hungry to, you know, step into our shoes, you know, and be those leaders. Uh, I'm not ready to hang up my boots yet, um, <laughs> but, um, but I'm very happy to work closely with anyone who needs some support and guidance in terms of moving into that kind of change space. Yeah, I love that. And 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 t tell us a bit um, about Illuminate and 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 how and how people can get hold of you, uh, Deborah, if you don't mind. So Illuminate are an IT consultancy. Uh, I love the four founding members uh, who are board members: Greg Wood, um, Graham Pauley. You've got Dave Smith, and you've got John Opsblum. I know them all really well. And then we've got an exco committee who are made up of the founders as well as myself, uh, Anna Sue's based in the US and Darren Trussell, who's in the UK. Our, our business is truly global. We are working closely with a number of US businesses in terms of uh, M&A uh, activity at the moment. And our, um, our teams are uh, working closely with uh, leaders in Europe uh, and in the UK too. So to get a hold of me, you can either contact me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the best way. Uh, and then uh, have a look at the Illuminate website. And we've also got uh, an Illuminate business network. So, you know, come and join us. Love that. Thank you very much, Deborah. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm just going to say goodbye to our guests. If you don't mind hanging on for me a bit. We have a quick chat afterwards. Um, but thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today on uh, another episode of 100 Days and Beyond, the, the, the podcast dedicated to the mergers and acquisitions specialists, those, those people that have dedicated their lives to change, change management, uh, and in, in Deborah's case, uh, people and people and uh, people's behaviors, values, uh, their careers, their livelihoods, and so on, and 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 really for the for the specialists, those that that work with um, not just the mergers and acquisitions, for, but for those that work with the change and the and the transformation that has to happen once the deal has been struck. Uh, Hundred days and beyond, uh, as a podcast, is dedicated to highlighting and to to really bringing to the fore those individuals and their lives. Showing you as the audience that um, that they're real people and they, they're people that care and they're people that that dedicate and have found purpose and fulfillment in uh, in this space uh, and find it massively enjoyable and 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 what I got from from Deborah's uh, discussion today as well is that there's probably very there are probably very few days that, that Deborah wakes up in the morning and says I I don't don't really feel like getting out there and getting out to my work today. I think uh, we have passionate and we have people uh, out there dedicated to a calling, I think, in helping people 
organizations and and really just being authentic and, and being real. Thanks to Deborah. Thank you, everyone in the audience, for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you on the on, on our next episode and and uh, have a super day further. Thank you.